0: What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, John Kegley. We got our start with San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers for four seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. And this is our second season with the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas and got everything they wanted to, and most importantly, got around safe in this crazy holiday weather that we've been having. So hope everyone had a good Christmas, but now it's time to get into the last show of the week, where as always, we are going to get into some fan voicemails. We have two to get into today, but that'll save us some more time for the second segment, getting into our keys for success against the chiefs this weekend going to obviously be a very tough game, and I don't think any of us expect the Chargers to win. But nevertheless, we have to get into our keys for the game before getting into our last segment of the show, listening to John Kegley give us the all-time series notes for the Chargers versus the Chiefs. It can only be good. I mean, they're always good, right? Before getting into our bold predictions and our game predictions for this one. So let's go ahead and get into it. We want to get into our voicemail segment of the day. This is the Locked On Chargers voicemail line, which you can reach at 323-524-7924. Today, we have Nameless calling in again with some needs on the offensive line, and we also have Kyle calling in from North Carolina. So that's where we're going to start today. So Kyle from North Carolina has some things he wants to set straight with the Chargers. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey,
1: guys, it's Kyle calling all the way again from North Carolina. Uh, Just wanted to give give a quick rest before I called in again. Um watched that game last night. It was pretty much pretty terrible again. Uh I don't know where our fundamentals are at all. Uh just, just the tackling in general this year has been pretty terrible. I mean Casey Hayward just basically just running side by side with Tyrell Williams. Doesn't even try to do anything to him. Uh just runs him out to the sideline. Um, it just, that speaks, even though Casey Hayward has been locked down all year, it just speaks to the strength of this team. It, it looks like other grown men are just running all over us and we're nothing but a bunch of little boys out there, um, not laying the hammer on anybody except for Derwin James, uh, you know, laying somebody out in the flat, which seems to happen every game, which I'm glad to see that his presence is always going to be there, um, And, and, you know, with Phillip Rivers, I'm so glad that, you know, all the haters out there that want to give Phillip Rivers all this terrible time, you know, when it comes down to it, is that these coaches are having terrible play calls. I mean, we're running the same play four to five times a game. That doesn't do anything. Uh, Short distance situations, we can't even muster the strength enough to get two yards up the middle. Uh, We're having to use these pitch plays and everything else. It's just it seems like we're doing a lot more runaround instead of actually just putting the work on somebody. You know, uh, I hope that this training staff gets, you know, a real big revamp. I hope that the defense gets a big revamp, you know, getting some bigger guys in there that are able to wrap up and play some fundamental football. Um, I appreciate the podcast, guys. Uh, look forward to a losing out the entire division. That's always nice uh again appreciate the podcast guys see you later
0: well john i mean a lot to get into there but of course you know we'll start with the tackling it's been an issue all season long and i'm sure it'll be you know somewhat of a key defensively this week but Every week, it's the same thing with this team, a lot of missed tackles, and usually you don't really see people complaining about it that much unless it's Rayshawn Jenkins missing a giant touchdown, and he misses a big tackle there, but it's been a problem for the Chargers all season long, but with Phillip Rivers, of course, you can't always blame him, I mean, especially with this play, calling, and even with Shane Steichen, which we've seen ups and downs with, which is something you'd expect from a new offensive coordinator, I understand that Philip Rivers has some blame to it, of course. I mean, he has a lot of blame to take, but also the play calling and the predictable play calling running the same time, same play four to five times in a game. And when it gets to third and two, you really have no confidence in this offense at all to get the job done. But oh, as always, Derwin James, you have to mention Derwin James. And it does seem like he's the only one, John, really out there laying the big hits, but For me, I think, yes, the play calling and the tackling have been bad all season long, and Derwin James has really only needed a few games to get back to us seeing that player that we always loved so much watching last year. And think about what could have been if he'd been healthy all season long.
2: If he'd been healthy all season long with Adrian Phillips, we probably would not have seen as many missed tackles. Rayshawn Jenkins wouldn't have been on the field as much, so there would have been a lot less long touchdowns. Yeah, there is a what could have been with that situation, but derwin i think is a situation of he finally came back so he's excited to play he's laying the wood he wants to be out there whereas other guys who have been on the field all year like the type of year it's been i think they've given up i think most of them are just like at the beginning of the game like if we're in it we could keep on trying to win but once it starts getting out of hand Or the offense isn't showing up. They don't care no more. You can see it in some of those guys' reactions. Like when they're sitting on the field, they're not even chatting or anything. They're just standing standing there, staring at the other team in their huddle, waiting for the commercial break to end. It's like they're just going, okay, anytime now. We just want to get out of here. So I, I think that's where a lot of the tackling situation comes from. I think when they start getting out of the game or the offense starts to give up, they've given up in the third or fourth quarter. But at the same time, there's guys like Thomas Davis who aren't giving up because they're veterans, and they know not to do that, but he's getting arm tackles. He leads the Chargers in tackles, but there's been so many missed tackles too. Denzel Perryman, that guy is supposed to be a great run stuffer, and he keeps missing tackles. I think that has to be from all the injuries he's had. He's probably a little bit more cautious now, and he's probably trying to get that confidence back up. There are some times where you've seen him just lay the wood in the rest of the game. It's like... Okay, reel it back, reel it back, and he's back to arm tackle. So I, the tackling has been an issue, but I think it's all a mental thing. I think the coach has to be to blame for the tackling. That's my opinion for that.
0: Yeah, I get that. And I think, I mean, the NFL practice schedule has something to do with it, too. I mean, the Chargers disproportionately miss tackle. So it's worse for them than it is for other teams. But you don't really get to tackle in practice, not 100 percent. Not really. Maybe one day a week you go full contact, maybe two. It's not really like game tackling. And when you're talking about that, you're talking about the fundamentals getting your head across, things like that where you can actually make sure tackles. And I think with Thomas Davis, I mean, it's not as if he doesn't know how to tackle. It just doesn't seem he's getting in the right position to. He's not always in the right spot, which is making him have to reach for guys in the backfield, and they're breaking through it. So I agree with that. In the play calling as well, it just, in this last game, you hope that we see something from Shane Steichen because it's been pretty vanilla over the last couple of weeks. And now you have nothing to lose. I mean, you didn't have anything to lose last week, but you went the first five drives only getting two first downs and zero points. So hopefully they can get aggressive this week, and hopefully Shane Steichen opens that up a little bit because there's nothing left to lose, and he's basically playing for a shot at his job. At this point, but we do have another voicemail from Nameless. This time he's calling up, and a little bit of fire from Nameless on this one. I was pretty excited to hear this, but I think he's right. Let's hear what he has to say.
3: Yo, guys, this is Nameless. Just want to say Merry, Merry Christmas to all the Charger fans and you guys at the show. Uh, I want to address the offensive line, mainly, and the team as a whole. Until this offensive line and team can get some desire and fortitude and will and take some pride and beat the shit out of the guy in front of you and push them around and push them back and rush for more than 19 yards in a game, this team will go nowhere fast. I don't know if it has to come from the coaching staff, the organization, Anthony Lynn, the players themselves, but they need to beat the man in front of them and just take their will and their spirit and their heart all day, all day, push, push, push. Until that happens, this team will go nowhere. And I don't know if it starts at the top, with uh the Spano suit, tired of it and it needs to change. And um they got the talent to do it. Where it's gonna come from, I don't know. Uh thanks guys. Merry Christmas. Um Go Chargers. Good night. Bye bye.
0: Well, John, I think we've always talked about this offensive line, even before the season, saying that the Chargers didn't do enough. I mean, going from last season and talking about, hey, what does this team need to do in the offseason? The number one thing on the list when people weren't talking about a backup quarterback or a new young quarterback as much was the offensive line. So they went into the season with a pretty weak offensive line, and you were just hopeful that guys like Forrest Lamp... come out and be really good and he didn't even start right away you hope Mike Penalty could get back to seasons before last where he stayed healthy and actually played pretty well that didn't happen Russell Kung has been injured when he didn't miss time from his pulmonary embolism it's just been such a bad time for this offensive line they've had bad luck but they've also played bad as well and that's something that obviously goes on the coaching but I think when you're talking about these guys that you want that are just going to blow people up and you want that mean, nasty streak. It seems like that kind of syncs up with Anthony Lynn's philosophy, but it's not really the guys that you have. I know Dan Feeney, was kind of thought as a road paver coming out of Indiana but he gets blown up too much to be considered a guy that's going to be you know really nasty and do the dirty work for you up front but I think that comes from Tom Telesco obviously the ownership is putting these people in place to make these decisions but I think it's kind of a disconnect between Tom Telesco and Anthony Lynn and I think that's part of the reason why this team has struggled a little bit because the head coach is going out there and sticking with his philosophy of being a hard-nosed physical team but he doesn't have the players to do that and I'm not absolving Anthony Lynn by any means because one part of being a coach is doing the best with the guys that you've had and I don't know if we can say that with this coaching staff that they're getting the most from these players I would say that they're not but of course John if you're talking about bringing in an offensive lineman yes you want guys that are going to go out there and win their one-on-one matchups time and time again and really just want it always more than the other guy and there's a select few of those guys in the league i know david always talks about quentin nelson wanting a guy like that those guys don't grow on trees but you can start it this year you can start to bring in those type of guys but the management and the coaching staff have to be on the same page
2: absolutely i am still frustrated that we didn't go after anybody except for trey pipkins in this offseason for the offensive line. That was one of the weaknesses last year. You could have dealt with some of the bad linebackers. You know. You could have worked around that somehow. You could have gotten some late linebacker picks in the draft and made them work. But the fact that you didn't do anything for the offensive line so that you can get your offense going, it, it still bothers me. I cannot believe that you thought Sam Tevy was good enough, that Trent Scott was a decent backup, and that Dan Feeney is going to be good at left guard without getting blown up having Pouncy and Schofield I'm like okay you know that's your two guys to go off of and then you have Okun what do you do to fix the left guard the right tackle and what do you do to get depth and they do absolutely nothing except for you get Trey Pipkins you could have gotten one free agent a couple of decent draft picks not named Trey Pipkins someone that was actually from a big school that actually has more of a chance at succeeding and you did none of that so I'm going general manager all the way for the offensive line in the beginning of the year but during the year, Anthony Lynn had to somehow adjust to this offensive line. If they were getting blown up so easily, there had to be been a way to get around that. If these guys are shooting up the field really quick, tell your offensive linemen to take that momentum with them and do something that makes like a run go right past that guy that shot up the field. Run Austin Eckler towards that defensive end that shot up the field. Now there's nobody to, that has outside contain. No, like Get a game plan for it, and you did none of that. You just did the same thing over and over again, and it bothers me that Anthony Lynn actually in a press conference says he is somebody that doesn't like to do the same thing over and over again, so we're trying new things. What are you trying new? You do the same play call over and over again with the same offensive line over and over again. You don't bring in anybody to try to fix the offensive line, not even like a low price free agent that's going to last like a a couple of games, and then if he earned a contract, he gets a one-year contract. You did nothing. You just went with it with your stubborn ways, your same play calling, same offensive line, going with the same exact player over and over again, never getting Andre Patton involved. It's Anthony Lynn for in-game situations by far.
0: Well, and it also has to go towards the offensive line coach and just not being able to develop these players. And I think there's a true lack of talent, so it's kind of a chicken and egg situation. But you definitely don't think you're getting the most out of these offensive linemen. You would think with guys like Forrest Lamp, and Dan Feeney, who were pretty highly thought of coming out of college, that those guys could turn into at least legitimate backups. But the fact that Tom Telesco had so much faith in Dan Feeney after he was one of the worst guards last year in the NFL, it just mind boggles me. And he's going to have a pretty tough-looking season when things are all said and done passing on guys like Cody Ford and Jawan Taylor out of Florida, two offensive tackles that many people thought were going to go in the first round and instead going Jerry Tillery. And we've it's well-documented with the year that he's had so far and not going after guys in free agency and instead bringing in Thomas Davis and Tyrod Taylor as your two biggest additions in the offseason. So that that's not a really a good look for Tom Telesco there right now. I mean, Drew Tranquil is looking like the shining star of his draft class, but There's obviously a lot of time that's still going to have to tell those things, but you definitely want to have guys that want to come in and just want it more than the other guy and be able to just bury the guy in front of them and have confidence that you can go for it on third and two and that you're going to be able to pick it up. And Anthony Lynn, I think, wants to be that team but the Chargers don't have that roster right now. But we do have to get into two more segments to our keys for success coming up right after this before wrapping up the show with John Kegley's all-time series notes and also our bold and game predictions for this one this weekend against the Chiefs. But first, this episode is brought to you by our favorite car dealership, and that is Metro Infinity, which is right off the 210 in Monrovia. I know you guys have heard it before, but you have to go swing by their brand new multi-million dollar facility and check out the amazing selection of new and used cars. They're the only dealer in California that is family owned and they've been in business for over 25 years. They're the number one volume dealer in California and one of my favorite parts about Metro Infinity is that if you don't like coming into the dealership, it's no problem at all. They will bring the new car and the paperwork to your home or office and complete the whole transaction there. They take pride in not being your typical car dealer where it takes hours to buy a car They don't play games and they want their customers to have a luxury car buying experience. So much so that if you tell them that Lockdown Charger sent you over there, you can get an extra $500 off any car purchase. You can reach them at 626-599-7510 or at MetroInfinity.com. And right now, you guys could be leasing a brand new Infiniti Q50 3.0 luxury loaded with navigation only a $1,000 down at $325 a month plus tax. Plus, you can get that extra $500 $500 off for telling them we sent you over there. All right, guys. Well, it's time to get into our keys for success. And since it's a holiday week, we're going to condense it down into one segment for you guys, even though it'd probably take three segments to tell you everything the Chargers would need to do to beat the Chiefs this weekend. I mean, two teams on a totally different trajectory. The Chiefs are trending upward the Chargers are trending downward. So let's start with the defensive side of the ball here for the Chargers and talk about what the Chargers need to do defensively to slow down one of the best offenses in the league. I mean, the Chiefs have a ton of playmakers, McCole Hardman, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, you name it. And they're in the top five in the league and points per game, yards per game and passing yards per game. But one thing that you can allow where I'm going to start this keys for success is letting Patrick Mahomes beat you on the ground. In the last one, he led the team with five carries for 59 yards. The other three running backs combined only had 71 rushing yards. Patrick Mahomes can do plenty with his arm, John. You can't let him also do it with his legs and get out of the pocket.
2: Yeah, you have to keep him in the pocket. He, You got to make him throw basically at angles. And what I mean by that is, if you're running a five yard out, he's got to be able to throw that ball from the pocket to that out and hit the angle just right to where someone does not jump in front of that ball. Whereas if you run out of the pocket, now you have a bigger window for that out route and you don't have to worry about someone cutting that route off. At worst case scenario, you, it gets thrown out of bounds. whoop de do. you have another play. So if you keep him in the pocket, you have a chance at stopping those kind of throws. Then you just have to worry about the middle of the field and making the tackle. That's where they're going to get you with how bad our tackling's been. If they dump it off to someone like a Lashawn McCoy type or a McCole Hardman type, they're going to be pretty fast. So you got to make the tackle quick. But if you keep Patrick Mahomes in the pocket, you have that opportunity to make those plays. If he gets out of the pocket, there's probably going to be 20 yards of space between the Chargers defender and the receiver that catches the ball. And then it's just to the races. And we're not going to win any of those runs to the races with Tyree Kill, McCole Hardman or Sammy Watkins.
0: Exactly. I mean, the list goes on and on. You never know which one of those guys is going to have a big game. I mean, you had Robinson having a huge game earlier in the season. I mean, anybody could go off on any in any particular game, but you're right. I mean, they do want to hit you downfield, but they do so many short passes and jet sweeps and things like that that just move things around and make things so confusing for the defense to try to keep up with that. If you make your tackles, you can limit them and force them into third down situations and just hope that you can get off the field there. But if you can't tackle, that's what turns, you know, a four yard gain into a 35 yard gain or a, you know, a two-yard game into a first down. Those are the type of plays you just can't afford, because every single week we see times when the Chargers have a chance to get off the field, and they can't make the tackle, and the guy's well short of the first down stick, but yet he ends up getting the first down after first contact. So you can't see that at all. But one matchup I'm looking forward to this time around, John, is something we didn't get to see the first time, and that is – Travis Kelsey versus Derwin James. Travis Kelsey hasn't had many great games against the Chargers in recent years, but in the last one, he goes seven catches for 92 yards and a touchdown, but Derwin James wasn't back yet at that point. So I love Derwin James. And I think he's a matchup nightmare for offenses if he decides to go on one player and try to shut them down, which you don't see very often, but I'm looking forward to watching that matchup this week between one of the best safeties in the NFL and one of the best tight ends in the NFL.
2: Not having Derwin in the last matchup was basically a weakness, and Andy Reid knows how to attack your weakness, which is why they targeted Kelsey 10 times in the last matchup, leading to a 31-yard catch, a touchdown, 92 receiving yards. With having Derwin James back, that takes away that weapon, and out of all the weapons they have, Travis Kelsey is that one weapon you'd rather deal with. You'd rather take Tyreek Hill, Nicole Harmon, and all these other guys on the field, Damian Williams, you name it, out of the play, and deal with Travis Kelsey. That's the one guy you'd rather deal with one-on-one. And having Derwin James makes that a lot easier because we missed him in the last game. But I think the the defense did pretty well stopping the Chiefs' office until we started beating ourselves with turnovers. But before that, they were on top of everything. And it was you got to throw to Travis Kelsey, and there were some throws that were going over his head to start the game, or he was catching it for four yards and you were setting up third downs. It wasn't until the turnovers happened that Kelsey started getting a lot more open because they got the ball a lot more. But if you only have to deal with Kelsey and Durbin James covers them, that gives you a field day defensively.
0: Well, it lets the rest of your defense focus on guys like Tyreek, who can actually just explode this game open. I mean, you can win a game if Travis Kelsey ends up going four for 45. I mean, I think you'd take that any day of the week, especially if that's because you're pushing more coverage towards a guy like Tyreek Hill. And let's be honest, that's probably the only reason this first game was close. I mean, Philip Rivers had four interceptions, yet the Chargers still had a chance to come back at the end of the game. But Tyreek Hill got hurt very early in that game and only had two targets and no reception. So that is absolutely going to be where you want to focus your defensive secondary around and just limiting Tyreek Hill. You're not going to stop him. I know that old cliche, but you're not going to stop him. And they're going to give him a lot of short passes and let him try to you know, get around the defense and just hopefully cause a couple of missed tackles. But if you can just stop him from getting behind your secondary, that is a win against Tyreek Hill. And the other thing you have to say for this Chargers defense is the turnover battle. Obviously, the Chargers haven't helped you offensively, but to be negative 16 at this point in the season and turnover differential is just absolutely crazy. And the last thing I'll hit on is, They don't want to run the ball necessarily. I mean, Patrick Mahomes led the team in rushing yards last time. You can cut out their running game. And to get them in a lot of third and tens, they're going to convert a lot of those. But if you can shut down the running game, which you should be able to against this team, you should be able to find success and at least be able to get the Chiefs off the field a couple times or maybe even make them settle for field goals, which is an absolute win. For the defense, but it's time to switch over to the offensive side of the ball, which has had many more issues lately, especially last week in getting off to such slow starts. So, John, this week, the first however many plays are supposed to be scripted, anyways. Uh, This is a defense they're going up against that has been very hot lately. It's going to be very tough for the Chargers to get off to a quick start, but I think it's very important. But the Chiefs' defense has given up only six points in the last two games combined. They've also given up 17 points or less in the last five games. So the Chiefs are getting high defensively at the right time going into the playoffs, but the Chargers need to find a way to get around that. And for me, that's Shane Steichen calling an aggressive game plan right off the bat, because no matter even if your defense plays a good game, this is a game where you're going to have to keep up and you cannot get into an early deficit, which is what led them to getting away from Melvin Gordon in the last game.
2: I agree. It's got to be an aggressive game plan. And with Andy Reid, that defense is going to be in zone coverage. They're going to be trying to make you take that deep shot and try to screw up. You've got to be patient and just take what's given to you, but be aggressive with it. Don't be trying to throw all these little routes to the running backs behind the line of scrimmage. Actually take an eight-yard pass to Hunter Henry on a hook route. Take your quick slant to Keenan Allen. Take whatever hook route you can get and just move down the field slowly. Be patient, but don't be thrown behind line of scrimmage. And then once you get the run going, keep at it. Once it gets going, because it's going to take a while for it to get going because the Chiefs know that you have struggled because the offensive line can't block, and all you got to do is use about five people against that offensive line, and the run's going nowhere. And Uh, and we saw it
0: last week against the Raiders. They completely sold out against it.
2: Exactly, and once they did that, what are you going to do? Run the same exact passing play you've done all year, and they know it's coming? <laughs> Good luck with that. So it's got to be a taking holes in the zone. Don't even try to run the same plays you've always done. Just tell your guys, run this route and find a spot in the zone and stay right there and let Rivers find them. If Rivers isn't finding them, then you get to blame Rivers for the game. If Rivers is looking around and no one's finding a hole in the zone then it's on the receivers. You know where your weakness is, and that's an improvement for next year, but it's still something that you got to be aggressive with because that's how you're going to win games in this league when you don't have an offensive line is hitting the holes in the zone. And like you said before, how do you beat the Chargers? You send the blitz up the middle, and you drop everybody else into a zone, and you say, okay, find the hole. You have 1.2 seconds to find it.
0: And Yeah, pretty much.
2: Yeah, basically. And with the run, you got to – Start up the middle, but then try to work it outside. Try to show them like like a bounce play, basically, where you're going up the middle, but then you bounce it outside really quick. Something Austin Eckler can do really well, and something Justin Jackson can do exceptionally well. So I think Justin Jackson has to be part of this game plan a lot this week.
0: Yeah, and you're talking cutbacks and counters and things like that, and those become a lot easier if you actually you know, decide to use Derek Watt, the fullback, once in a while. And the fact that they didn't try to do that more last week when their running game was really struggling was infuriating to me. But Melvin Gordon had pretty good success. He had 14 carries for 69 yards in the last game, and they just totally got away from it in the second half and then ask Philip Rivers to throw the ball 52 times. So that is not going to win them this game. Philip Rivers, obviously, it's going to come down to him at some point. Is he going to turn the ball over or is he not going to turn the ball over? And we've seen when the offense is clicking, when he's in a rhythm and they're scoring points, he's not turning the ball over. When everything is, you know, bogged down and they can't get anything offensively, he puts it on his shoulders and tries to do it himself. So the Chargers have to be able to run the ball in this game to have any chance in it shortens the game. We've seen And that's the blueprint to actually beating the Chiefs is shortening the game, scoring on your possessions, not settling for field goals, putting the ball into the end zone. And that's what's beat them so far this year. And another thing is, you know, forced a couple of turnovers and all of those things. But the Chargers, it's going to come down to Philip Rivers cannot turn the ball over in this game like he had and did in the last one four times. It can't happen for them to even have a chance in this game. But the Chargers turn it over at all. They're basically toast. But it's going to come on Philip Rivers' shoulders at some point. But it's up to the rest of the team and Shane Steichen to get them in a rhythm before Philip Rivers goes into hero fill mode. And that's just something that we're going to have to see from the Chargers. If it gets to that point, John, and Philip Rivers feels like he has to do it himself, it's not going to be pretty.
2: No doubt it will not be pretty. And we're going to hear everybody saying, oh, Rivers sucks. Rivers needs to go draft a new QB. Well, no, that's a leader trying to put the team on his back and trying to make something happen because nobody else is willing to make it happen. And you can't blame him for that. That's a leader. That's someone that wants to win. People that don't care are people like Ryan Fitzpatrick when he was before He got the job with the Dolphins. He wasn't trying to make things happen. He was throwing the ball wherever it went and he was making bad reads and the games would suck. He was If the game was out of reach, he wouldn't try to bring him back in. He would just hand the ball off or throw a five-yard pass and say, whatever, game's done. Rivers is like, we still have a chance. We're down 21 in the fourth quarter. We still have a chance. This play call sucks, so let's see what happens if I throw it to Mike Williams in double coverage since he's better off at, at a jump ball. If it's intercepted, we were going to lose anyway. Who cares about the stat? I, I think Rivers is taking too much blame for this season yeah he's had some bad games and some bad throws but a lot of times he's trying to lead the team back and he's a leader like that he has that Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality where he's just gonna take whatever chance he can get to bring the team back whether it makes him look bad or not
0: yeah and the ones that you just really don't want to see are like the ones from last week where he just throws that careless interception I mean at the end of the first half you just can't have those kinds you just floating it up and you know hoping Mike Williams can make something out of it. But there's certain times where Phillip Rivers has to just punt on a drive, and he doesn't do that enough, especially when the games are close like they were last week at that point in the game. So you just don't want to see those. The other ones where he's trying to lead the team back and just there's nothing else working, so he's throwing it up, I don't have as much of an issue with that because I've seen how bogged down this offense can be and we've seen how many times that Mike Williams play work where that's I mean sometimes the entire offense so Mike Williams hopefully can have a big game because they're going to just have to be patient take what the defense gives them and take their shots when they're there and he has those one-on-one matchups where you take him any day over any corner but that's a good chief secondary over there and they picked him off four times last time but we do need to get into the final segment of the show getting into our bold predictions our game predictions and John Kegley's all-time series notes coming up right after this. All right, well, time to get into the final segment of this Christmas week, getting into our all-time series notes with John Kegley and giving our predictions for the game. I have David Droegemeier's predictions as well, so we'll get into that. But, John, what do we need to know about the Chiefs and the Chargers?
2: Well, at one point, the Chargers had a lead in this all-time series, and since then, we've done really bad. We There was a time where we had a three-game lead in this series, and then we just went on to lose – what was it like nine straight i believe we lost nine straight nine of the last 10 to be exact and (laughs) i just don't get why we lost all those games because if you look at some of them they were so such winnable games like being up 24 to 3 or being down 10 to 3 and being at the one yard line you could have tied it but there was games that we shouldn't have won that we won as well like 2013, Mike McCoy's first year, when Ryan Suckup missed the game-winning field goal, we ended up winning in overtime to go to the playoffs. The game just before that, when Sayi Eajira-2-2 scores the game-winning touchdown to win 41-38. And then one of my favorites, all the way back in 2008, when the Chargers needed to win to keep their 4-8 and eight season alive for the playoffs, and they're down 21-3 to the Chiefs and they come back scoring a touchdown, onside kick, another touchdown to take the lead, and then the Chiefs missed the game-winning field goal, and the season on life support (laughs) still exists. So there's (laughs) been so many games we shouldn't have won that we won. There's been games we should have won that we didn't win, like the historic one last year, the game-winning two-point conversion by Mike Williams after being down 28-14. So there's so many games we shouldn't have won that we did win. So could that be the case this week? I'm kind of curious to see what happens especially with the chiefs already having a playoff spot
0: i could see it going really either way and yes i mean ryan suck up missing that field goal was just pure heaven even though you know it's easy to forget that you are going up against chase daniel and them boys and having chase daniel and the backups beat you one year to actually eliminate you from the playoffs that was Not a fun year as well, but the Chiefs have been dominant over the Chargers lately, and you saw the magic that it took to get them last year to a win in the latest two-point conversion to take the lead in a game in NFL history, I believe just a, a crazy game and it's been a crazy matchup and this is a very good chiefs team that the chargers are going up against who have something on the line this week with playoff positioning and you know potentially even getting a home game so it, it means a lot to one of these teams but it's time to get into our bold predictions for this game and i will start with david Drogemeyer's defensive bold prediction for this one and that is that Derwin James is going to get two sacks in this game and one interception we haven't seen Derwin James blitz a lot but I want to see it more especially against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes who obviously got out of the pocket enough to get 59 rushing yards in the last game so I really would like to see that and Derwin James I mean has continued his greatness this year coming back from injury and playing as well as he did last year, even though it would make all the sense in the world for him to be a little bit rusty, which means there's even better to come. But, John, where are you going defensively for your ball prediction this week?
2: I'm going to go that the Chargers' defense holds Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, both under 50 receiving yards for the game.
0: Damn. I mean, I guess then... Total. M- m- yeah. Wait. Combined. Combined. Okay, so is McCole Hartman going for like 165? Robinson's going for, you know, buck 20? <laughs>
2: no, oh, I would say I, like everyone gets their little 40, 50 yards here. But you got to remember the running backs are going to be a part of this too. And they have like three running backs that they use. So it's going to be spread out, but you're not going to have your big weapons making those plays.
0: I mean, you would take that as a 100% win for the Chargers every day. I mean, if those two guys can get held to that I think the Chargers, you know, would have a good chance to win this game. I don't see it happening, but that's what bold predictions are all about. So I'm going to go with Joey Bosa. I just want to see him end the season the right way. And he's at 11 and a half sacks right now. His record for him personally is 12 and a half sacks. I'm going to say Joey Bosa beats his personal best. I'm going to say he gets two and a half sacks and a strip sack in this one and gets it to a solid 14 sacks on the season, which would be a really nice round number for him to, you know, possibly get a giant extension in the offseason. But I'm going to go Joey Bosa, two and a half sacks and a forced fumble. John, where are you going offensively for this one?
2: I said Justin Jackson needs to be a big part of this offense. So that means the Chargers won't use him. So bold prediction is Justin Jackson is going to get 100 total all purpose yards and two touchdowns.
0: Yeah, and it'll just be nice to see Justin Jackson on the field because we haven't gotten nearly enough of that so far this year. But he's been a full participant in practice this week. The one thing that's going to hurt that is that Russell Okung has uh, has not participated in practice all week. So we saw what the running lanes looked like last week with Russell Okung out. Hopefully they can be better this week. But with Trey Pipkins and Trent Scott, it's hard to feel good about it. David is going with a good one on this one. He's going with Mike Williams and Austin Eckler, both getting over a 1,000 yards for the season in this game, which is not really a crazy thing because, I mean, Mike Williams only needs 35 yard, 37 yards, and Eckler is exactly 50 yards away. But it would be pretty bold just because that's only been done five times because that would give the Chargers three 1,000-yard receivers. The Chargers were actually the very first to do it. It was Charlie Joyner, John Jefferson, and – Kellen Winslow, who did it in 1980, so it'll be 39 years since it's happened for the Chargers. But the other guys on the list, like the Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne teams, with Brandon Stokely randomly thrown in, or even the other teams that are on this list, there's some really good names, like the Cardinals, when they had a really good passing game. You have Anquan Bolden and Larry Fitzgerald, Steve Breston. So it hasn't really been done very often, John, so that would be pretty cool if the, the Chargers could have three 1,000 yard receivers and it's never really been done with a running back either the closest was when Eric Metcalf did it with the Falcons when they had three 1,000 yard receivers but that year Eric Metcalf even though he did play running back in his career as well as wide receiver only carried the ball 28 times so he was mainly a wide receiver that season so it'd be a very unique situation if they were to do three 1,000 if they were able to get three 1,000 yard receivers
2: that would be an historic moral victory for the season that we've had this year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the season we've had you, to get a record like that would just make a you waste. Feel proud. I know. Just, just imagine you got a thousand, you got three one thousand yard receivers, and your offense was the weakness of the team. Imagine that.
0: Yeah, I mean the the team is the weakness of the team because the Chargers' defense hasn't been great either. But you're right. I mean, to have three guys capable of going over a thousand receiving yards. It's just ridiculous, and it's probably most ridiculous for Austin Eckler, who actually has a chance at the all-time record for receiving yards by a running back in this game as well. But I'm going to go with Phillip Rivers ending his season with a bang. It might be his last game as a charger. I'm going to say Phillip Rivers goes for 450 passing yards in this one. He gets three touchdowns and also has a five-plus yard rush. That's my bold prediction for this week, and I love it. Let's go ahead and get into the game predictions. I'm going to go with David Drogomir's first. He thinks that this game is going to be 31-24 Chargers. No. 31-24 Kansas City Chiefs, which I mean, I think he has the decision, right? I'm not convinced it's going to be that close. Are you, John?
2: I mean, I feel like it shouldn't be that close, but somehow some way they always make it that close, so It's true. I I think it's going to be Chargers losing this game 28 to 21. And I'm going to just throw a little something, something in there and say that that's because the chargers get a touchdown two field goals and then a late touchdown with a two point conversion.
0: Hey, that would be kind of nice. I don't know. I think this is a game that could get blown out. I just, I think this is a, a game where you see how much this team is still kind of invested in this season. And I think the chargers could have a decent game, but I don't know if it's going to be enough. I'm seeing more of a, Chargers 17, Chiefs 31 type of game. I think the defense has an okay game. I think Phillip Rivers, unfortunately, turns it over a couple of times because that's what he does against the AFC West, especially this season. And the Chargers lose by multiple possessions, which is something we've only seen a couple of times, only one time this season against the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm not very confident in this game, especially with Russell out. I think it could be a pretty ugly one, potentially. But that is going to wrap things up for this show and for the regular season. I mean, this, no matter what, will be our last regular season show. So We'll be back with you next week. We'll be back with you on Monday. But as far as the regular season going on, this will be the last show. So thank you guys who stuck through another pretty bad season by the Chargers and still continued to come and listen to this podcast. And for calling in, we've gotten such great callers. I mean, there's so many recurring callers now. I mean, Nick from Colorado, Nameless, Tim, Lamlock, Barnaby. I mean, there's so many of you guys that have made this such an enjoyable season while the Chargers have been putting garbage product on the field. So thank you guys for that. Thank you guys for listening to the Locked On Chargers podcast. But until next time, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LAC and to like the Facebook page, Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. And if the links are somehow switched up, we will always post the links on Facebook and Twitter as well. And if you guys want to be the next voice on the show and give a season recap for Monday's show, which we'll be getting into voicemails, make sure to call 323 524 seven nine two four every chargers voicemail gets played on the show but merry christmas you guys hope everyone's had a good week getting ready for new year's but until next time take it easy and go bolts